Thank you, worship team, and good morning, everyone, again. Uh, my name is uh, Pedro Samuel, and uh, by God's grace, I'm glad to bring the Word of God to you this morning. And uh, as Pastor said last week, we are keeping on the study of the Gospel of Luke, more concretely about the parables in the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we went a step ahead in our chapter 13, and this week we're coming back to verses 1 to verses 9 and see the parable about the fig tree. And if we can remember, and uh, we were very well told on that, we have established that from chapter 9, around verse 51 onwards, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where eventually he will be crucified. And along the way, he had something to teach to his disciples and also to the crowd that followed him. In today's passage, Jesus is warning his listeners against our repentance and affirming God's impending judgment. Twice, Jesus tells us in this passage, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Let's read together Luke chapter 13 from verse 1 to verse 9. Thus says the word of God. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate has mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffer in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all, all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vineyard dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should I, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year or so, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Our Abba Father, we praise you this morning, Lord. You have called us for us to assemble under your word because you say that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, this is a heavy passage to preach because I see myself on it. I see the need that I have to repent, Lord. It is only by your grace that I can stand and be able to communicate your word 
to your people. Father, I pray for your grace and for your mercies towards everyone that is listening to this word. May you glorify your name by transforming us, by removing from our hearts, Lord, anything that stands against the knowledge of Christ. Lord, let today be a new day in our lives, a turning point where indeed, O oh Lord, we will see salvation manifested in us and through us, where those that needs rebuke will be rebuked, Lord, when those that need embrace will be embraced, where those that need salvation will receive salvation for your name's sake. Father, let the work of Christ through the ministration of your spirit in us be accomplished today in our lives. Yes, Lord, you are faithful and you are able enough to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. May your name be glorified. May your kingdom come now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a very known question that I want to ask you as we are starting. And probably you have heard that uh, question before. But I would like you to consider it again and carefully meditate on that. If you today, or if your lifestyle today and your fault life will be displayed to all the world. Suppose that, just imagine that. Will God or would God be pleased with you? Don't be quick to answer this question, just meditate. Will be there anything that you should need to repent of? I would like to say myself or for myself, yeah, everything is all right. There is nothing that I need to repent. But my conscience, and I believe also my wife, can say, oh yes, there is many things that you need to repent of. Allow me to say that I am not alone in that. And I believe that everyone that is listening to me right now, there is something that you need to repent. We all, I believe, are in need of repentance. And this is what Jesus is calling us to do in the passage that we just read. He is presenting to us today the necessity of repentance in our lives. And he also is calling us for us to live out this repentance and walk with him and with one another. But what is repentance? I have found a definition of this in West, Westminster Shorter Catechism that defines repentance in its question, its question number 87. And this is the Westminster Shorter Catechism that I, I base this definition. So repentance over there is defined. Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, thus with grief and hatred of, of his sin, turn from it unto God 
with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. It's a long definition. And my prayer is, as we go on and search the scripture this morning, that these words will make sense in our lives. That we will understand indeed what repentance means. The question is, have you ever truly and really repented? My first point this morning is the context of the parable of the fig tree. And it runs from verses 1 to verses 5. Let's read that again. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate has mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, talking about Jesus. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffer in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Some people came to Jesus telling him about what Pilate did to some of the Galileans, killing them when probably they were offering their sacrifices in the temple in, in Jerusalem to the point that their blood was mixed with the blood of the animals they were offering. But Jesus' response to them addresses an underlying or an unspoken question in the mind of these people, which I believe was, what sin these Galileans committed in order for this tragic event happen in their lives? Behind this question was the mindset that was common on, that, on those days. People, they thought that every bad thing that happened to someone, any person that is suffering, it meant that they were, or they were in sin, or they have committed sin themselves, or even their ancestors. And perhaps this is what many believe today as well. This was the thinking, this was of thinking that they assumed if something happened, as I said before, to someone, it was because the person had seen it or their ancestor. This happened even with the disciple. Go with me in John, and this is a slide that is in your screen. John chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible says over there, as he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that, that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So you see very clearly that there is a mindset to these persons that came to Jesus when they asked, why, what happened to this guy? When they came and said what Pilate said, the underlying question was, okay, Jesus, tell us, what sin 
these people have committed for them to suffer like this? And Jesus' rhetorical question to these men echoes the same thing here in our passage. See with me again when Jesus said, Do you think, verse 2, that these Galileans were worse sinners than all others? And he is answered directly, No, no, I tell you. I tell you, no. 10,000, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What Jesus then, and Jesus does that twice, okay? Verses 3 and verses 5. Unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, the Bible doesn't give us any record of these incidents, these tragic incidents. The first, the Galileans being killed by Pilate, and the second one, uh, the tower that fell and killed some other people. There is no record on that, but Jesus mentioned that, and we believe they happened. Otherwise, Jesus would not tell us in his word. So, when Jesus answered the question to this man, twice as I say, Jesus said, unless you repent, you likewise perish. What, that, what does Jesus meant with these words? Why Jesus responded to them in this fashion? Well, I believe that there was another thing much more deeper than our Lord Jesus Christ would like to address here to these people. Jesus refutes their way of thinking and brings to them a more serious matter that they should consider, and I believe we also today we need to consider that. Perish here meant more than simply dying physically. Jesus here is addressing and pointing out a far greater matter of living eternity away from God's presence, which means living eternity in hell. Jesus here was addressing the universal problem of all humanity, without any exception, that we as human without Christ, we all stand guilt before a holy God and a righteous God, as the Bible teaches us. God is holy. He is transcendent meaning that he is far above us and he is a moral God and he brings that moral to us when he demands responsibility to all of us as humanity, as mankind and hold us accountable to each and every choice that we do in our lives. But for us to understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to go back to the beginning. And I hope you can follow me carefully. Because this is the context that Jesus is putting in place for the parable from verses 6 to verse 9. You know very well the story about the creation. Genesis 1, 2, and three, they are the most or one of the most important chapters in the Bible that we need to study and understand. In Genesis 1, we see the creation of mankind. But before that, we saw in verse 1 that God is the creator. Out of nothing, he has created and decided to create heavens and earth. And in verses 26 of chapter 1, we see God creating man when he said, Let us do mankind according to our image and according to our likeness. And let them have dominion. 
That was the purpose that God created us as human beings. All humanity were in Adam. And that same purpose that God established for Adam, he has established for every one of us, which is for us to have dominion in this earth. Then in chapter 2, the Bible makes a closer, like a zoom in to that day of creation and said that God said to Adam, remember, God is the creator and we are the creatures. And God instructed Adam and placed him in the garden in Eden, saying that you can eat from all the trees. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Because the day you will eat, you will surely die. Then comes, sadly, chapter 3. The serpent comes, speaks to Eve, entices her from her own desire. And Eve decided to disobey God. And Adam did so. You can ask, what really was going on? Why? Because of eating a simple fruit was a big deal for God. You can say that. You can ask that. Brothers and sisters, sin is serious. If eating a fruit can cause or cause Adam and Eve to be scattered from God's presence, we need carefully to consider and understand sin in our lives. Sin is not a small thing. Simply because our God is a holy God. And because he is holy, the Bible says that he cannot behold sin. By eating from the fruit of the tree that God said for them not to eat, Adam and Eve, we're declaring independence from God. The picture here, if you have your children, just imagine your younger children of 15, 17, even 10, 5-year-old is coming to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, today in this house, I am the king. I do what I want, and you just follow me. If I don't want to clean the dishes, I will not. If I don't want to make up my bed, I will not. And you don't have the right to tell me anything. If we have parents that are really in sound mind, you will see that there is no sense in what the child is saying to you, isn't it? But this is exactly what Adam and Eve, they are doing here. They are saying, God, we don't, we don't have anything else to do with you. They wanted by the choice of eating from the tree of the, the, the fruit of the tree of, of knowledge of, and good. They are saying, God, we want to be God for ourselves. We want to do what I think that it is good. We want to do what I like. And we want to do what I desire. And you don't have anything to say about that. So they wanted to take the authority that belongs to God. Because he is the creator. And they are the creature. And they said that authority belongs to us. This is what the Bible says is the high treason. Is a cup in our, a cup in our uh, 
reality, when an authority that is established, a group of people just come to overthrow that authority and then put themselves in place, and then they do whatever they want to do. And God, being a holy God, could not behold that. And from that point on, the promise or the warning that God has given to Adam and Eve was fulfilled. From that point on, they were destined to live away from God. They were destined to live their lives in hell. But, thanks be to God, he is a loving father. In the midst of that judgment, God brought an answer to that situation. And he said in Genesis 3.15, that there will be the, a seed or the seed of the woman who would come and crush the head of the serpent and undo all the judgment and curses that came into the world. Brothers and sisters, all of us, we stand condemned before God because of that. We all, we were in Adam. That's why Romans says that all of us, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We stand guilty because in Adam, all of us, we sinned. But even if you take away and allow me to do or to express myself in this way, even you, if you take away uh, Adam's sin, your own sin today is condemning you. You stand in the presence of God, guilty and destined to hell. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. But God being gracious and full of love, he himself, decided to deliver us from the condition that we are standing or we were standing. How he did that? Elder Robert yesterday, he quoted for us Philippians chapter 2. And you can read that afterwards. From verse 5, the Bible says that Christ, has, he came to this world. He emptied himself. How he did that? Not by uh, ceasing to be God, but by adding in himself a form of servant. And he was found being born from the, uh, a woman. Why did God did that? The Bible says that in the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, 4, when God sent his son, he sent him to deliver us from this condemnation that we all stand. And now Jesus is saying here, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish and perish eternally. Romans 5, you can read that as well. The Bible is very clear on that. We all were in Adam, and because we were in Adam, we all sinned. I believe it is from verse 12. And because we couldn't do anything for ourselves, God himself in and through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, came to pay the penalty for our rebellion. And he died in the cross of Calvary because of that. And the calling Jesus is establishing over here 
is exactly that. We all know John 3.16. What the Bible says over there? That God so loved the world. That whosoever do what? Believes in, in Christ. Shall not what? Shall not perish. But have eternal life. Unless you repent. You will all likewise perish. Let me be more uh, down to earth for some of the kids to understand this sentence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the example I have is not from me. I heard from a pastor in Brazil. He said, is it is like another parable, is a story. He said that there was in a town a young man that committed a crime that on that jurisdiction was for death penalty. So, but people around that town, they wrote to the governor and say to them, please forgive this man. And the governor just received that petition and he said, let me do something first. So the governor dressed up as a priest and took the Bible and wrote down his uh, release, the release of this man from the prison and put in the Bible. So he went and then he found this man. But there in the prison, that young man just like uh, shouted on the priest, which was the governor. I don't care what you have for me. I don't want what you have for me. Please, get out. He didn't he even give the time to the governor to open his Bible and to give him the letter of release. When the governor went, a jail officer came to him said, You fool, this was the governor that came to release you from the prison. In the day of his death or sentence, he said, let me say a last word, please, for all youth, for all young men. I want to tell you that if I'm dying, I'm dying not because of the sin that I have committed, but because I rejected the forgiveness that was offered to me. This is what Jesus is saying here. Unless you repent, unless you take out that ego, I want to do what I want, I want to do or I want to think the way I want, if you take that ego and you release yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept his lordship and the penalty that he paid for you in the cross of Calvary. This is what Jesus is saying here to these men and he's also saying to us today. My second point from verses 6 to verse 9. And when he told this parable, sorry, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vineyard dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. And I found none. Cut it down. Why should I, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year, this here uh, also, until I dig around it and put uh, manure. Then 
if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So we see over there what is going on. The picture of the owner is the picture of God. The picture of the fig tree is a, pi a picture of man. The picture of the vine dresser is the picture of, uh, of Jesus. Sorry. And what we can understand from this passage is that God is coming to us. See that he can find uh, a, a fruits of repentance in us. But unfortunately, he cannot find that. Unfortunately, this is what the Bible is saying here. That when the owner came to that fig tree, maybe he just saw many fo foliage. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, the leaves. But he didn't really find fruits that he wanted. And those fruits are fruits of repentance. So how do I know that? First of all, because this tree speaks about a self-righteous life. A life that outwardly seems to be everything okay. A life even that have the word, the written word of God in their hands, but they lack the life of Jesus. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, addresses the Pharisee, the Pharisees, in that fashion. Go with me in John chapter uh, 5 from verse 30 to 40. See what Jesus is telling there. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, speaking about the scriptures, that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And in another passage in Luke chapter 3 from verse 7 and 9, and we saw that before, the Bible says that John the Baptist addressed the Pharisee in the same fashion. See with me over there. He said, therefore, to the crowds, talking about John the, John the, uh, the baptizer or John Baptist, that you brood of vipers. That word brood of vipers means sons of snake or offspring of snake. Talking about the Pharisees or those that came to him with, uh, with a heart far away from what they were doing as the son of Satan. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now see, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say yourselves to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from this stone to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, it cut down and thrown into the fire. So we see here, that the judgment is closer to those that doesn't bear fruits of repentance. The second thing then that we see is a merciful and a gracious vine dresser who is our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse, uh, in, in verse um, 8, we see the vine dresser saying to the owner, give me one more year, give me one more year. I will try to dig around and put manure to see if this tree will give fruit. Jesus is saying that I myself am going to give myself to them and the gospel and my words to see if their hearts will be transformed and they will receive me so then they will not be thrown to fire. And here we learn a very important lesson for us as a church. We need to be merciful and gracious to one another. 
in the same fashion that our Lord Jesus Christ has been merciful to us and or to me and to you as well. You didn't born uh, a Christian or believer. Some point in your life you believed. That was the grace of God. Why then sometimes you think that the grace of God belongs only to you and you are there to judge others that are in sin? Pray for them. Pray for their hearts to be open and for them to know Jesus. See, I'm not telling us here that we, we will not judge uh, things that people are doing wrong. I'm not saying that. And pastor dealt with that very extensively before. But I'm saying that that mindset that many believers have to look down even to those that are away from God now and to judge them in their condition is the very thing I'm saying to you here. That in the same fashion, the vine dresser talking about Jesus were gracious. We also need to be gracious to one another. The Bible says in Luke 6, 36, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Another point in the Bible, 2 Peter uh, 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some count slowness, but is what? Patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is our God. This is our Heavenly Father. Full of love, full of mercy. The Bible says that His throne is founded in righteousness and justice. But steadfast love and forgiveness go before Him. Psalms 89 verse 14. So we need to be merciful. But here there is also a warning. Because we see that divine dresser asks only for one more year. So do not presume to the riches of the kindness of God. And the forbearance and patience of God. Because his kindness, his love meant to lead us to repentance. This is what Paul is teaching us in Romans 2, chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. The warning is, when there is the day of grace today, as the Bible says, if you hear God's word, don't harden your heart. Because, and for you, can be at any time. The day of tomorrow, it doesn't belong to you. You don't know when you will die. So the time for you to repent is today, not tomorrow. The forbearance and the patience and the kindness of God meant to lead us to repentance. What you need to do, you need to acknowledge that you are a sinner. That you stand before God as a guilt person. But that Jesus has given his life for you. In order for you to be saved. And now today you live your life with the king of kings in your heart. And again. There is a passage that we just read right now. It's a long one, but I would like us to read it carefully to understand that we cannot ignore the patience of our Lord. My friend, my brother and sister, repentance is a lifestyle. And Peter, talking to his uh, disciples. He wrote this in Second Peter chapter three. Now we will read from verse one to verse to verse ten. That says the word of God. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, 
I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will, will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of the creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heaven exists, existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of this, the world that then existed was deluded with water and perished. But by the same word, the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this, this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with, roar, with a roar, that, and the heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Long reading. There is no much to comment on this. The day of judgment is coming for everyone. Believe it or not, Jesus is coming. And as he's coming, he's not coming anymore as the Savior, but as judge. Read Revelation 6, and you will see that there is the wrath of the Lamb that will be uh, poured towards those that reject him this is the day of your salvation open your heart and receive the blessing from our lord jesus christ a quick word to new life church in abu dhabi from revelation chapter 2 we saw the letter of the angel to the church of ephesus we read like this to the angel of the church in ephesus right the words of him who holds the seventh star in his right hand who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patience, endurance, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have these against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Brothers and sisters, New Life Church members, visitors, regular attendees. This is the time we have to live out for our Lord. Remember your first love. Remember your first love. Let's not do things out of motions as Pastor Garrett always warned us. Let's not Come to the presence of God with our hearts far away from him. If you sin, repent. There is forgiveness. One brother say, be brutally honest, no matter the consequence. Find someone that you can open up yourself and receive 
salvation. Receive refreshment. We need to come together again. And for those that will listen to those confections, don't be quick in judging. Receive them. Love them. Yes, there will be discipline, but the heavenly father that disciplines us, he disciplines for us to be partaker of his holiness. Be ready for the new season that our Lord Jesus Christ has for New Life Church. May God bless his words this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words to us this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit will continue doing his work in our hearts. That indeed, Lord, we, might, we may come to you in repentance. And may we come to one another confessing our sins. As you said in your word, if we walk in the light as you are in the light, we have true communion with one another. And only then your blood can sanctify us from all iniquity, Lord. Father, we know that this is by grace. By grace and by grace alone. Therefore, Lord, we plead with you. Even for our children, as Pastor prayed. Even with our youth, Lord, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You that in the beginning... You said, let light shine out of darkness. Let now this same light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shine in our hearts, in the hearts of our children, in the hearts of our youth, in the hearts of our church. To bring us to the place of repentance, Lord. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we trust you. And in you alone. Because only you can save us. To you alone be all glory, power, and adoration. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.